0: we mm-hmm. How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 253 of X-Lapsed, and, uh... Well, stop me if you've heard me say... Stop me if you heard me say, this might be a short episode. Uh, This is, uh, Wolverine, and, uh... There ain't a whole heck of a lot to say about, uh, some Wolverine stories here. Uh, We don't have vampires I can complain about. It's, uh, basically a conversation. We're just gonna be reading a conversation, and of course some gratuitous fighting, but, uh... Let's get into it here. Let's hop on in. This is uh, Wolverine, volume 7, number 15, which had an October 2021 cover date and a legacy number of 357. Stories called Deceiver, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Adam Kubert, or Kubert. I don't know how to say that word still. Uh, Colors, Frank Martin, led letters, VCs, Corey Petit, designs, Don Muller, head of X for now, is Hickman. Edit Amaro Basso, White, Cebulski, cover price $3.99. This one went on sale August the 25th. Of 2021. Now we open in a flashback land with a uh, Saviour Wolfkist or Blackmore, I guess. Uh, he's telling our hero about a uh, long ago in Iraqo. You see, during a raiding excursion, Saviour and uh, whatever the hell we're supposed to be calling his crew, they discovered a shiny young boy named Solemn Now Saviour or Saver, I don't know how we're gonna say that name. I'll probably say it several different ways. In any event, this guy, he attempted to slay the kid, but his blade shattered upon touching him. And so he decided to take the kid in. Not in a loving or nurturing sort of way, but uh, as a prisoner. The only problem was that Solemn could slip out of any prison he was placed in. Like, they show him in all variety of different uh, traps and methods of captivity. And so, as uh, Solemn grew into adulthood, Saver, we're going to call him Saver, I think, uh, decided to add him to his crew of raiders. Now, Solemn was very slick indeed, uh, quite the seducer, apparently. And then one day, Solemn chopped off Saver's nose. Now, he did so as he didn't want his former captor to ever forget what was taken from him. So every time Saver looks in a mirror, he's going to see that uh, his nose isn't there anymore. So Solemn not only stole the big guy's nose, but also his ship. Now, that takes us to our double-page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Wolverine... Savor Blackmore, and Solemn. Back to the present, and we're in, where else? Madripoor. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but Madripoor is a a lawless place. Anyway, now you all remember the first time we met Solemn, back during Exit You remember he was imprisoned for like a hundred years plus a season or something, and released just before the Tournament of Swords? Well, we're reminded here that he was tossed in the clink for, quote, dirtying up the wrong marriage. Turns out he killed Bracken, who was the husband of the horseman war. Wolverine interrupts here and he's like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Savor mentioned that Solom had stolen his ship, and there has to be more to that story since they're currently having this endless conversation on that very ship. And so from here we hop back into Flashback Land to one month ago in Madripoor Even though, um, I mean, you guys know that calendars are not my strong suit. I'm the guy who had, like, a 13 days of Christmas because I didn't know how to read a calendar several years ago. So that said, I'm not great with time. not great with calendars here, but I thought we were led to believe that the time between Exit 10s and the Hellfire Gala was only, like, two weeks. I'm pretty sure they said that on multiple occasions because when they said that, like, several of us were like, wait a minute, that can't be because so much stuff happened. But here we're being told that the Iraqis were on Earth for... Months? Or a month ago, at least I mean, are there any editors here? Anybody? I should probably just stop asking um, Anyway, we'll just say a month ago uh, Saver tracked Solemn down to the Lucky Tiger Casino In probably Hightown, because it looks quite hoi polloi And uh, they fight, and Solomon wins Or at least gets the better part of this round, I should say um, Then Saver gets the gig to loot the Marauder Which was already stripped by the time he got there but when he did get there, he found a chip from the Lucky Tiger Casino, which Saver took as evidence that Solom wanted him to know that he was, you know, just screwed with, basically. Saver then tells Wolverine that they ought to work together in order to take Solom out, which, I mean, Saver's a big giant galoot, but this sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, they got a common enemy, this guy is slick and crafty. Why not, you know, throw in together And, I mean, if they can take Solomon out Then then they can settle their differences afterwards If they still remain So, after this reasonable request Naturally, Wolverine pops his claws And we go into four pages of he and Saver fighting instead Now, during this fight Blackmore reveals that his blood is acid Or something He digs his pointy fangs into his own hand flesh Causing the acid to begin seeping out And then he kind of, like, flicks it at Wolverine And also, the floor has been magnetized, so Wolverine's, you know, adamantium skeleton is kind of keeping him weighted down. It's hard for him to move about. Now, despite the setup and the seemingly endless chatter, the fight ends pretty quickly. Uh, Savor reveals that he's in possession of the Muramasa Blade. Well, one of them, anyway. And Wolverine wonders how he got his hands on it, to which Blackmore's all, Well, if you'd let me finish my story, I'll tell you. So we go back into flashback land And here we see Blackmore giving chase to Solem through the Lucky Tiger Casino And Solem, in order to escape, he throws the Muramasa at a chandelier In order to bring it down on top of his pursuer Only he doesn't stop to reclaim his blade And so now Saver has it And let me see if I can get through this sentence here Without uh, stuttering or, or lisping terribly um, Blackmore threatens to ooze his acidic blood onto the mythical blade. I, I I was, you know, kind of going vacillating between mythical and mystical, which it came out as mythical. So either one of those words or all three of them. I don't know. Anyway, he threatens to destroy this blade. And so Wolverine, he, you know, re and stands down. Then the noseless pirate tells our hero that he watched he and Solemn fight in Saturnine's arena. And you know what? If we take a peek at Wolverine number 7 on, on Marvel Unlimited, or I guess in the physical edition, eh, there is a big dude there watching. So who's to say it isn't Savor Blackmore, right? Could very well be. From here, we go to an info page, and it's, a, well it's basically a Solemn column. It's a Sage's logbook on Solemn. And we find out here that Solemn's done a lot of bad and uh, pretty boring to read stuff. Back to comics, and Wolverine has returned home to Summerhouse with the other Muramasa. And he wonders why Solom would have given up his blade so easily. I mean, we spent two issues with them in hell trying to find these damn blades, right? So, it stands to reason that this would be a very important thing, and it would be very strange that Solemn would just allow it to be taken from him, or just not retrieve it. So, Wolverine heads into his bedroom, and he realizes that Solemn has stolen his blade. Which means that Solemn's been in his bedroom. Which, I mean, Solom is a mutant, right? So... Stands to reason he'd have full access to all the Krakoan gateways. In any event, Logan reaches out to Sage to inform her that they've got a mole in the garden. And then we wrap up with a page of text. It's a uh, Wolverine beat poetry, basically, and uh, we're out of here. Next episode, we have our uh, fourth-to-last visit with the Hellions, unfortunately. I think there's only three issues after, after next episode, so we're getting nearer and nearer to its conclusion, and hopefully... Uh, Hopefully it has enough time to satisfactorily... Is that a word? Satisfactorily? Um, To end in a satisfying way, let's say. (laughs) Let's put it that way. But I will worry about that another time. For now, um, boy, uh, I really don't know what to say about this issue. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. It just... there isn't much to say. I mean, it's a perfectly fine issue, Wolverine, but when it's a perfectly fine issue, Wolverine, it still doesn't really, uh... Invite discussion or analysis It's just kind of, oh, well, Wolverine had an issue And it was fine oh, The art here was phenomenal I really, really like the art But uh, insofar as a story We don't get much We really don't get much um, I feel like this one might be more of a satisfying read and trade You know, when it's collected But as a single issue It's um, not a whole lot to get excited about I mean, we are definitely laying groundwork here But I swear it doesn't have half the urgency as the previous Vampire Nation stuff. It's just, I don't know, it feels like we're biding time, but at the same time, we're taking our time and biding time. So it's it's an odd one. And like I said, I didn't dislike it. It just really doesn't lend itself to talking a whole lot about it. So, you know, rather than force the issue, I think uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, If anybody out there listening has anything to say about this issue, please. Please let me know so... Maybe we can revisit it and uh, give it some proper analysis. Just from my vantage point now, there just isn't a whole heck of a lot to say until, uh, until we get a little bit further into the story or just get the story, you know, into the uh, rear view proper, I suppose, uh, the, the whole solemn situation. But we'll just put a pin in it for now and hop right into the mailbag. Now we're going to start with Evan, who is still working his way through the Hellfire Gala. And he's talking about X-Force number 20.5, or Wolverine number 13. Now Evan says, my, that was convenient. The Terra Verde thing was such a big mess brewing, I never considered that they would solve it neatly by writing that it had been neatly solved. I get it. We can't build up to Inferno only to have an international incident bring everything crashing down a few months early. I don't know that this would have been an existential threat to Krakoa, but it seemed like it would be far messier than, a eh, billion dollars, and you can make Miracle Meds too to make it go away. And yeah, totally did feel... I mean, that whole story felt a little too convenient here. It's like one of those things we're not supposed to think too much about, because I think I mentioned this when we discussed the uh, the revelation here, or the, I guess the deal that was brokered with the Terra Verdans here, that... Uh, it's like none of the Terra Verdans had family from outside their country who may have tried to call or visit or you know, send an email or something and didn't realize that they were all, you know, telephloronic zombies, basically, and, and under mind control. It just seems very convenient, which, I mean, that's kind of a hallmark of uh, Percy's writing, is... Uh, you know, things just get fixed or explained away, uh, usually, in an info page. It's like, oh, here's an extra page of dialogue we didn't have room for, and it's going to fix everything. So just just read it, and, and we'll be fine. I don't know, just, uh, hmm, yeah, it didn't quite sit right with me. Evan continues, I'm sure some people know, or should have known, that something was up in terraverdi Verde. But even an info page suggesting that the desk ex-desk even had suspicions would have made things messier. As for the world at large not noticing, I imagine Beast had the rank and file people going about the daily tasks as it's clear that the Telefloronics, or whatever they're called, didn't completely overwrite their personalities and memories. So it's at least feasible, to me anyway, that they could have kept a lid on it and the general public might not know enough to spill any beans beyond rumors and conspiracy theories. And yeah, I think feasible is probably the, uh, the, the most apt term for that because, again, if we stop and think about it, And, like, we look at the population of a country, and it's like, that's a lot of people that Beast has to control somehow. And, uh, if you think too hard, it seems very unlikely. But, uh, but yeah, there is a feasibility to it, for sure. Especially, you know, this is the fantastical Marvel Universe, anyway, so you just never know. Um, Evan continues, I agree that Beast's actions and dialogue make sense for the role that he's in. And I don't know that this is in-story justification, but in a society where Apocalypse, Magneto, and Sinister are now fine, upstanding citizens, and Cyclops, who drove Beast to break all the rules we learned in Back to the Future, is back in the fold, maybe Hank figures that if he ever does go too far, well, they're going to have to forgive him, aren't they? And you know, I'm so glad you said that, because it's not something I ever thought about. Uh, I know I've been kind of jumping through hoops to justify Beast's behavior um, since Hoxpox Pox here with... You know, the ethical limitations lifted from him You know, he's allowed to do whatever he needs to do it's, it's a by any means necessary sort of gig that he's in But with the added layer that he is also working with quite the safety net Is um, is very intriguing because, like you said, the worst of the worst are, are like upstanding, high highly regarded citizens of Krakoa I mean, if we just look at the big three you mentioned Right? Magneto, Sinister, Apocalypse. I mean, we could throw Xavier in there. We could throw almost anybody in there. And they've all been welcomed back, and they've all been forgiven. So there is a very good possibility that's in the back of Beast's mind. You know, if I go too far, well, mea culpa, I'm sorry. And if he isn't accepted back into the fold, well, I mean, he's got quite the case to uh, call them out for being hypocrites, doesn't he? Uh, now, Evan wraps up with Until Dr. Nemesis files an injunction against Beast for stealing his science bastard shtick, make mine X lapsed. You know, I know you're kidding there, but uh, I don't think we've seen Beast and Nemesis cross paths since uh, Hoxpox. I think uh, that'd be something I'd want to see. And I hope uh, if that ever does happen, uh, that Simon Spurrier writes it, because I think he could have a lot of fun with that. And, I, and you know, by proxy, so would we. But I wonder if Nemesis would call him out for what he does or if he'd be like, you know, given like a, you know, an on-the-sly thumbs up like, yeah, you do what you have to do, buddy. Uh, That could be, that could be fun. (laughs) That could be fun. But uh, thank you so much for writing in on that one, Evan. I really, really appreciate it. Next up, a comment from Andrew Franklin about Cable Reloaded. He says, I wonder if it was decided that Cable Reloaded number 1 would sell better than a random sword issue that ties into Last Annihilation. There's been a lot of that going on lately. And uh, yes, there certainly has been, hasn't there? Um, We look at things like the Onslaught Revelation instead of Way of X number six, because clearly Onslaught number one will sell more than Way of X number six. Trial of Magneto number one rather than X Factor number 11 or number 15 as it was originally supposed to be, because yes, Trial of Magneto number one will sell quite a bit more than X Factor number 11 or 15. And if I can continue pushing that theory of mine here uh, They're calling that one story coming up The X-Lives and X-Deaths of Wolverine Rather than naming it after Mora McTaggart Which, I don't know, I have a sneaking suspicion That it's going to be the Mora story But, uh, and I'm completely pulling that out of my backside now I just feel like uh, we've wanted to know more about Mora's lives uh, Outside of what we learned in uh, in House of X number 2 So I'm thinking that maybe these these 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine will show him, you know, kind of tied up with Mora, kind of giving us a little backstory and fleshing out what we don't know about uh, what we don't know, I suppose. But clearly, the X Lives of Wolverine would sell probably a metric ton more than the X Lives of Mora McTaggart. And I'm just freestyling, just guessing, but uh, I have a sneaking suspicion. And, you know, it's funny you mention that here because, uh, even, like, the tie-ins to The Last Annihilation, they're not being branded as, like, their own thing. You know, when you look at the uh, the Wiccan and Hulkling one, it's, you know, Last Annihilation colon Wiccan and Hulkling, and Last Annihilation colon Wakanda. This wasn't Last Annihilation Cable. This was Cable Reloaded, which just so happens to be tying into Last Annihilation. So I think there's a lot to marketing this in such a way where it, uh, I guess for lack of a better term Maybe tricks people into buying it <laughs> You know If you don't think it's just a thing that's tying into another story You think it's its own thing You may be more apt to to pick it up here And, you know, a side note here um, Our friend Jesse DeYoung told me that There's a little bit that happens in Wiccan and Hulkling That might be worth discussing here on the show And I didn't order that You know, I didn't order that when I was doing my, my pre-orders I figured that that's just going to be something I didn't need But, of course, you know, Wiccan is the son of the Scarlet Witch, so, I mean, it stands to reason that there might be a little bit of uh, ex-relevancy in those pages. So, like, two or three weeks after the book came out, I had to go, you know, search it out. I had to go look for it. And it took me going to four different shops before I found it. Every one of those shops had cable reloaded. Tons of them. Tons of copies of that. But the Wiccan and Hulkling... Just none on the shelves, and that's not to say that it was a you know an instant sellout. But when the uh, you know the folks behind the counter asked if there was anything they could help me find, I'd ask for that, and they would tell me they either didn't order any copies for the shelves, like only filled in pre-orders, or they only ordered like one or two copies for the shelves. So yeah, calling this cable reloaded number one and not Last Annihilation cable was probably a A smart move from the uh, distribution level, because I'm sure they're going to say that it sold like gangbusters, even though, uh, I mean, there's still tons and tons and tons of them in the store. But thank you, Andrew, for uh, bringing up that question here, because uh, I'm not sure how I would have been able to, uh, you know, share that anecdote otherwise. So thank you so much for that. Um, Now, next up, we've got Peter, and he's got a question as well. He says, Why is Marvel recycling the names of every team, character, and event over the last few years? Is it to add a level of fine distinction by now requiring everyone to add a senior, junior, third, fourth, etc.? i talking about any of them, or is this a very unimaginative response to an email from the Disney legal team regarding copyrights? And if I were to guess, I'd say probably a little bit of both. You know, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B here. Um, one of the things that actually does annoy me about this is the fact that, you know, the title of Captain Marvel has gone... For, you know, it's a... Sort of, kinda, of legacy title, right? It's, it's not just committed to one individual character. You know, we had mar we had Monica Rambeau, we had Janice Vell, we've got Carol Danvis. I mean, the name bounces around a bit, and that's totally cool. But here's the thing. We only get one at a time, you know? We don't have five Captain Marvels flying around right now. Whereas we have, you know, two Wolverines. We've got two Hawkeyes. I don't understand why we can't come up with other names. Uh, And I guess that probably does have a lot to do with branding and licensing and stuff like that. And they want to use a recognizable name here. So if they do give Laura Kinney an ongoing, they can call it Wolverine. Because a Wolverine book is going to sell more than an X-23 book. And same with uh, Kate Bishop. If they give her, like, a brand new name, uh, you know, that's... We know that Marvel's track record with brand new IPs and brand new, like, titles, it's not great. But if they launch a Hawkeye title, well, we might assume that that would sell a little bit more than, you know, Kate Bishop colon whatever. As far as the events are concerned, that's another thing that kind of, uh... I don't want to say it irks me, but uh, it makes me concerned for the uh, for the future. And there's a great big possibility that I'm worrying about absolutely nothing here. Or maybe not worrying so much, but just wasting brain space on. But uh, like, part of me thinks that every time we get a new voice, or a new head of X, or I mean, I guess we could extend that to head of any, you know, uh, editorial fiefdom in comics, right? Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, whatever. I feel like every new creator is going to want to do their spin on... Whatever story And part of me feels like this is uh, kind of in the vein of an homage But another part of me kind of thinks that it's marking their territory Because, like, think about, uh, think about an event like Secret Wars, right? Well, if you want to talk about that one that happened in 2015 You have to say Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars, right? Um, let's talk about Inferno Well, if you want to talk about the Inferno that's coming up uh, this week It's Jonathan Hickman's Inferno so I kind of don't want to jump a year into the future and have it be like, okay, well, this is going to be Jerry Duggan's extinction agenda. I mean, it just feels like we need to we need to move forward. I mean, I talk about this a lot, but comic fans get a lot of guff for not wanting to, there, there to be change, for just want to, wanting to live in the past. And we get a lot of crap for that. But when someone like a Hickman wants to reuse a concept from 30 years ago, that's great. When Jeff Johns and Dan DeDio want to remove Wally West and Kyle Rayner and bring back Barry Allen and uh, Hal Jordan, nobody bats an eye. That's just like, oh, well, that's cool. But if a single fan might suggest that, you know what, things were better back you know, 15, 20 years ago, then we get called out for being uh, man babies and for uh, gatekeeping and just uh, living in our mother's basements and all that kind of crap. I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm veering too far, <laughs> you know, into the weeds here, but uh I feel like reusing these names over and over again is nothing more than trying to evoke some sort of a nostalgic reaction rather than doing anything that might move the uh, you know, the line forward. And again, that is just in the naming that has nothing to do with the actual stories within. I'm I'm looking forward to Inferno. I I'm on record as really really chomping at the bit to get that. So uh Nothing against the story, just uh, the reusing of the name. Eh, I, I could do without it. But thank you so much for writing in and posing that question, Peter. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, from here, let's uh, let's hop into some shout-outs here. This is me thanking the folks who interacted and engaged with, uh, you know, those little things I send out on social media about the, the program that you're listening to right now. So, on Twitter, I want to thank Ed Moore, Between the Pages blog, R.C., Chris at BTO and Bad Books, Chris Bailey, Dave Schultz, the Scary Stuff Podcast, Jeremiah, Wayne Burroughs, Mark Jagger, Joe Crawford, Billy D, and the Long Box of Darkness. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Jeremiah, Pat Sampson, Billy D, Chris Bailey, Jesse D Young, and Walt Neeland. Thank you all so much for helping to raise awareness on this little program. Now, on the subject of thank yous, I would like to thank my lovely patrons, uh, Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse Young, and Damian. Thank you all so much for your support and for believing in this little project. And, you know, just when I was about to wrap this up, uh, I decided to pause the recording and pop on to uh, some of the leading comics news sites uh, to see if there's anything new in the world of X, and hey, I got something. We got something here. You remember those comics, uh, X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, uh, eventually X-Men Red, and the series of one-shots X-Men Black? You remember those? Well, we've got us and X-Men Green coming out. Hmm. Turns out I was wrong about the X-Men Unlimited uh, story that we're in the middle of right now. I figured that the Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and AIM story was gonna go for, like... Three more parts. Well, we got some news here that with X-Men Unlimited number five, we're going to get a Nature Girl story. Remember how much I loved Nature Girl over in Generation X Volume 2, right? <clears throat> so, yes, <laughs> they're calling that X-Men green. And, you know, despite the fact that Nature Girl really didn't rock my socks in Gen X Volume 2... I feel like this is what we need in these Unlimited books This is what I've been pushing for since they announced it Even before they announced it That this is a nice little venue to, uh, to you know, spotlight some of these lesser seen Lesser cared for, lesser known characters And uh, this one's going to be written by Jerry Duggan with art by Emilio Lizo. And uh, I tell you, this is what I wanted from the X-Men Unlimited uh, line So, looking forward to it and we will cover it here in uh, probably a couple of weeks. So uh, I hope you're looking forward to that as well. But I think that's going to do it for today. If anybody out there would like to get a hold of me for any reason, you could do so very, very easily. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can go to chrissoninfiniteearths.com for blog posts and show notes. You can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. Um, I think I did those out of order, didn't I? Yeah, I did. Uh, You can join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. And, of course, for the Chris and Reggie audio archives, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and that's available anywhere you'd like to hear noise, and probably some places you wouldn't. Also, the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash xlapsed. And uh, right now, there are five episodes of X-Lapsed. One on there, talking about the golden age exploits of the first mutant in Marvel Comics, Namor the Submariner. And it's uh... It's very, very interesting. <laughs> it's stuff I've never read before, and uh, it's been quite an education, and it's, I don't know, it's just been a lot of fun. If uh, if you're interested in uh, checking out uh, the early Namor, you could uh, pop into x Lapse episode 250, where I included the entire first episode of Point One in there as a uh, as a little bonus, a little, you know, teaser. I'm also uploading old x Laps scripts there, and I... I Planned on doing a lot more of those, but I didn't want to push all the content down the page. So I'm doing that intermittently now, so as to not overwhelm and just blow the place out. I know there's a lot of content out there vying for your eyes and ears, and uh, I mean... With, even without the Patreon, I got a lot of content doing the very same So I don't want to overwhelm anybody I don't want to overwhelm myself even So uh, there'll be more stuff coming And uh, this weekend I already have the first episode of another show This is not an X-Men related show It is still in the comics realm um, But it's one that I had in the works since about 2019 And I didn't think it fit the uh, the scope of the channel at that point So I didn't I didn't pursue it but I'm certainly looking forward to sharing that with you all now And I, I'll probably be releasing the first episode of that um, For public consumption here Just to see how people feel about it It's revisiting something from the uh, the past Of Chris's Infinite Earths And uh, expanding upon it So I doubt that's all that intriguing for many people But I hope uh, you're looking forward to it all the same But uh, I think that's where we're going to leave for today I'd like to thank you all so much For spending some of your time with me today And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya!